Last week was doing life together, doing church together. Kind of goes along with that, relationships. That's what we're going to look at today. Got a Bible, go to the book of Philippians. And we'll read there, and then also I want you to turn to uh, Philippians 3, verse number 10. We'll read there too. Philippians 1, verse number 6, and then Philippians 3, verse number 10. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's in it for the long haul. God's don't just ain't going to stop and, well, I'm done with that. No, he's going he's to make sure this thing finishes all the way through. I want to read this again. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And now Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Father, take the words that we will speak here this morning, and I am believing, God, that it will be life and light to men's hearts and what they need here today. Each and every one receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in the current news this week, probably some of you seen on the news to where a Winchester rifle was found. It was in Nevada in a uh, particular um, national park. Uh, they traced the gun back. It was a Winchester, the gun that won the West. 132 years old. And it had just been laying against this tree for Lord only knows how long. And I seen a picture of it, and it just seemed, it just seemed something sad to me. Um, and who knows what the circumstance of that was, but maybe it was, a, it was in the mining area that Nevada had for mines for years and years. And maybe it was an old prospector and... Um, a lion got him or a mountain lion or a cougar or a bear. Or, I don't know. We don't know. But those, those guns were not something that they just left laying around. And it wasn't thought, well, that gun don't mean anything to me no more and I just won't go get it. All those things were dependable and everybody wanted one of those guns. And they did make it to the value to where most people that wanted a gun could afford that gun, but it was of value and it was just left laying there. Probably he died over something, I don't know what or how, how that was caused, but he died and, uh, and the gun has just been left there laying there all of these years. And the Winchester Company, they've got a hold of the gun and they're, they're looking the gun over. And then this week, I was rereading something that I'd read a long time ago about Stuart Hamblin. Uh, how many have seen the movie Unbroken with uh, Zamperini? Uh, Zamperini was saved in that Los Angeles crusade that Billy Graham had years and years and years ago. 
And along with Louis Zamperini being saved in that crusade, also Stuart Hamblin was saved in that crusade. And Stuart Hamblin had been a country western, uh, been in movies, country western movies. He'd be, he wrote uh, country western songs. He was a singer. He was on the radio. He was on TV. He was on the movies. This guy done it all. And in 1954, he was on a hunting expedition along with his close friend. You got to love this story. Along with his close friend, the Duke, John Wayne, as he was on his hunting excursion and they, it was cold, it was up in the mountains and they round the bend and they see way in the distance a shack. And they began walking toward this little hut of a house and when they got closer, John Wayne told Stuart Hamblin, we're going to go in that building, in that house and find a dead man. And he said, well, what makes you say that? He said, because there's a dog on the front porch and there's no smoke coming out of the chimney. And so well, they walked up, the dog, he greeted them, of course, and was very happy to see someone. And Stuart Hamblin said he walked into the door and into the room and said, there was a guy just lightly leaned over and he'd passed away. And Stuart Hamblin done something that no, that's never been done before, before then and since then. It's the only number one hit that's ever been written in the presence of someone laying there dead. Stuart Hamblin took a pencil and a paper and wrote these words, and a lot of you have heard this song. This old house once knew my children. How many has heard this song? This old house once knew my wife. This old house was home and comfort as we fought the storms of life. This old house once rang in laughter. This old house heard many a shout. Now she trembles in the darkness when the lightning walks about. This old house is getting shaky. This old house is getting old. This old house lets in the rain. This old house lets in the cold. On my knees I'm getting chilly, but I feel no fear nor pain because I see an angel peeking through a broken window pane. My old hound dog lies asleeping. He don't know I'm going to leave, else he'd wake up by the fireplace and he'd just sit there and howl and grieve. But my hunting days are over. We ain't going hunting anymore. Gabriel done brought in my chariot when the, blimp, when the wind blew down the door. And then the chorus is, but I ain't going to need this house no longer. Ain't going to need this house no more. Ain't got time to fix the shingles. Ain't got time to fix the floor. Ain't got time to oil the hinges or to mend no window pane. Ain't going to need this house no longer. I'm getting ready to meet the saints. He's by himself. By himself. Those two stories this week that I'd seen and read... It just brought in more and more how much we need one another. There's no way that, we're, uh, that God has intended for us to be a monk and to be off somewhere away from everybody else. God never intended that. We are to have relationship one with another. 
And with the Lord knows R equals C, and we'll get to what C is later in the message. But I know you realize that R equals relationship. R does not equal religion. That the world would think that's what would be the, the case, that it equals religion. No, religion just a head knowledge. Back in the 90s, Al Gore, as he was making a stump speech, he said in that speech that if you're like me, your favorite verse is John chapter 16, verse 3. <laughs> See, here's the deal. He don't catch that. His wife doesn't catch it. Anybody on his staff doesn't catch it. And, every, and he told that more than one time. At one at different uh, locations. And finally, some journalist looked it up because he, the journalist, he wrote and said, everybody he was speaking to realized that that was wrong, that it's not John 16, 3, it's John 3, 16. So the journalist looked it up and then wrote about it. And isn't this how big God is? But Al Gore would say that if you're like me, your favorite verse is John 16, 3. And you look up John 16, 3, and it says... They do these things because they don't know the Father, neither do they know me. It's <laughs> amazing. That's incredible. Relationship. Knowing God. And again, it does not speak of religion. Of knowing of who Jesus is, that's why Paul could say that I may know him. And because he knew Jesus in such a real fashion, nobody on the planet, although they tried, could not stop Paul the Apostle because he had a relationship. There are 300,000 churches in America that are right now currently experiencing zero growth. Why is that? They're suffering from a vitamin R deficiency. We need relationship that I may know him. Religion is made of Teflon. It'll never stick. Relationship's made of Velcro. It's going to stick. Religion will deceive you. The jihadists in the world, they've been deceived. I'll say this, the, the crusaders... Back hundreds of years ago, were deceived as they would round up Jewish people and put them in their, in their place of worship and light that thing on fire and they would sing hymnals around that building as those people were screaming inside. I'm telling you, that is deception. They were deceived. Paul was the wrecking crew in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, he is wrecking havoc on the church. Why? Was because religion. Religion taught him to do that. But the moment he received Jesus as Savior and has that, and has that experience with Christ, from that moment on, Paul's world is changed, his eternity is changed, everything is changed. He has relationship. You can follow this through if you want to write this down. In Acts chapter 9, he meets Jesus Christ. Relationship. 
In Acts 9, 17, he meets Ananias, relationship. In Acts 9, 25, the four Damascus disciples who let Paul down in a basket over the Damascus wall because people were in that city wanting to kill Paul. And that, that group of men said, no, we will risk our lives to save this man so that he can go on and write two-thirds of the New Testament and plant churches around the whole known world. Yeah. That happened because of relationship. In Acts 9, 27, there's Barnabas. In Acts 15, 40, there's Silas. Relationship. Paul mentioned over 100 people that helped him in getting the ministry of Jesus Christ out to the world. Over 100 people Paul had a relationship with and that was built around the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of you people that are here right now and that I know at Centralia and I know at Fairfield, I would have never known you apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Relationship. R is not for rote. It's not mechanical. R is for relational. Come weal or woe, our status is quo. Oh, Reagan said it right. If, you're, if that's your thinking, he said what that really means is we're all in a mess. Come weal or woe, our status is quo. We're all in a mess. R is not a rut. A rut is a grave with both ends kicked out of it. No, it's fresh manna is what R is. Having that relationship with someone else. What I said last week, when everybody else walks out, a true friend will walk in. That's true. It's relationship. It's not rules. If all you've got is rules, it's always going to be in your right to kill someone, to hurt someone, to stone someone to death. A, the woman taking her adultery and everybody there with a stone ready to crush the life out of her and the only one that had the right to pick up a stone wouldn't do it. Neither do I condemn you. Don't sin no more. It's relationship. It's getting plugged in. It's as many of these people in these photographs knowing another person in these photographs and 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 getting plugged in to what we're doing here. Forming that bond. Relationship starts with bowing at the feet of Jesus. Just like King David in the Old Testament, he bowed at the feet of God. Moses spoke to God face to face. Abraham knew God as a friend. Relationship. Socrates, the old philosopher, said, Friends, there are no friends. Well, that guy didn't know Jesus. Yeah, he didn't know Jesus. What's the song? What a friend we have in Jesus. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Church growth is relationship. Personal growth is relationship. Mark Miller, do me a favor. Mark's always willing to stand right here in the middle. Stand right there. 
And now I need Darren, stand up right over there, way over there. Who do we have over here? We'll get some, we'll get Glenn. Stand up over here. I want you guys to take 15 paces this direction. Take 10 paces this direction. Take three paces this direction. Just as isn't true in life, there's always one that's got to go a little bit further than the other does. <laughs> Take five paces this direction. There you go. The closer they get to Jesus, Mark being Jesus, the closer they get to one another. That's just going to happen. Don't tell me that you, that you hate your brother whom you have seen and you love God who you have not seen. That's what it says in the book of John. Thanks, guys. Jesus said, are you my friends? Then you'll do what I ask. The old saying, I don't smoke or drink or chew, and I don't date girls that do. How many of you ever heard that? <laughs> that? But to be a friend of Jesus is to do something. Paul said this, two things when he was converted. Who art thou, Lord? And then he says, what would you have me to do? He did not say, what would you have me to quit doing? So I think Christianity is all about doing the, it's all about doing the do's. And if you, have, if you do the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. So you won't, so you don't. So you, <laughs> You're my friend if you do what I command you to do. What did he tell us to do? To abide in me. And if you take those first letters out of each one of those words, A-I-M, that is our true aim. Abide in me. What else did he say? We're to bear forth fruit. All of this is in part because we know him. Do we have a video ready? Let's, let me have that. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartial.
utterly merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. That's what I preach like when I'm dreaming. When I'm dreaming about preaching, that's, that's how I preach. Ooh, it's always so good. Jesus is Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is our Lord. Let's say that together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is our Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I've had people say that, imagine this with me. If someone would come up to you or let's just say to me and said, you know, I like you, but I just don't like your son. That wouldn't fly. That wouldn't fly. And for somebody to say, well, yeah, they love God, but they just don't know what they think about Jesus. That don't fly. That don't fly. Amen. He's everything but that minister said he was, and he's a whole lot more. Amen. I've, uh, I've told this before. I mean, remembers Jim and Jack. Yeah, some of you do. Jim and Jack 
They pined after the same girl. And oh, they just, they just you know, uh, battled each other until finally uh, Jim, he married her. And uh, Jack, he spent a lot of years of his life saying, Jim, Jim, lucky Jim, how I wished I was him. And went through that, you know, for years and years and years in his lifetime. You know, he just think that through the day, you know, thinking about how blissful it would, would have been with have been with this girl. Jim, Jim, lucky Jim, how I wish I were him. Eventually, Jim died. And Jack, he took up where he'd left off. He began wooing this, this girl, this young woman. And he eventually was able to marry her. And after six months, he found himself at the cemetery and he found where Jim's marker was at and he knelt down to where the headstone was and he said, Jim, Jim, lucky Jim, how I wish I was him. I told a new one last week, but uh, I, didn't, I ain't going to tell a new one this week. They just got my, you got an old one there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, by grace, this is the R that we need. By grace, you are saved. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship. Ephesians 4.30, you are sealed into the day of redemption. Ephesians 5.8, but now you are light in the world. Ephesians 5.30, for we are members of his body. In Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, make on these. And Adam, as he's lost and God goes searching for him and God calls out, Adam, where are you? Relationship. When God asks a question, he's not looking for answers. He already knows. And he wanted Adam to see where he was at. He was in a place where he wasn't the day before. He was away from God. And God went searching for him. The Lord knows R equals C. Relationship equals commitment. The more you know that lovely bride, the more deeper that commitment is. So it is in life. So it is in Christianity. The more a person knows who Jesus is and what they've done in their life, the deeper that commitment level will be. Relationship equals commitment. There's elation in relation. It really is. You'll never have true joy without Jesus. I've said it before. If someone tried to steal Frank Taylor's joy, he'd knock him down. He'd knock him down. He ain't going to steal his joy. We ought to be as diligent over our Christian joy. Would you all please stand?
Father, we thank you, God, for giving us the strength to be able to preach your word this day. And Lord, I feel like that I've done my part, and God, now this congregation has this, this word. It's been delivered to them, and now, Lord, it lays upon each and every one of them. And help us, Lord God, to put this to task, to put this to work within our life. God, to know that the more we fall in love with you and the more relationship we have with you, God, the deeper that commitment level will be within our life. We thank you, God, in advance for every good thing that's going to happen because of people being obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.